My name is Peter DiStefano, and I'm in the band Porno for Pyros, and uh, was in the same era as Brad, and uh, you're listening to Bradley's house, and this is the best place you could be if you want to get soap. Hello, everybody. Come on in. Grab a seat. Make yourself at home, as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is our host. The peanut butter to my podcast, Jelly. (laughs) You're already giggling. You're not even going to let me get through this one? Sorry, I tried. (laughs) Kelly Noel. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing really good. I'm always doing better once you introduce me because I never know what you're going to say. And it cracks me up every time. Not to set the bar too high for you, but there you go. Every time you have to amuse me. Listen, Kelly, I'm all, I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew. I realized, oh, no. I realized that this is what, this is like what getting old is now, right? Like before, you know, however you had to stay up, whatever you had to do, I could go for date. Now I drink a half a diet Mountain Dew, my whole body shake, and I'm up for three <laughs> So this is, I've, hey, I've officially hit it. If that's the worst of getting old, you're doing just fine. No, that's not even close to the worst part, but that's just what I I'm telling like, you guys about. I feel like in your thirties, you cannot complain about getting, being old. It's not to me. <laughs> I, I, I feel, listen, I never feel 37. I either feel 17 or 77, yeah, but 30, I, I'm right. never like, you know what? I'm just having an average 37 year old day. That never happens. No. So well, Kelly, we're coming off of a, an amazing string of shows here, really just some awesome guests. And um, one of the things that I really like about this podcast is to have the opportunity to, one, talk to a lot of uh, friends of, of Brad's and yourselves and people that you've known for years uh, and let the fans kind of listen into some of those conversations, but also introducing some maybe musicians that some of our listeners aren't as familiar with. Um, And we've really been kind of uh, lucky to have such an amazing list off of the amazing album, The House That Bradley Built. Kelly, who are we hanging out with today in Bradley's house? I am super excited about our guest today because about 10 years ago, a good friend of mine turned me on to hit this guy's music and I instantly connected with it. I could seriously listen to him strum a guitar for hours. I love his voice. He's an amazing writer. He's incredibly talented and a really great guy. Please welcome my favorite storyteller, Mike Pinto. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me on this. Um, I'm so stoked to have you. As excited to be on this as I am the compilation. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being on that, too. Your cover of Superstar Punani just blew my mind. The very first time I heard it, I just... I went nuts. I absolutely love it. You nailed it. You really nailed it. Oh, thanks. I'm just trying to, you know, the man, the pressure. I can't imagine. Hit your brother's high notes. At first, it was was funny because um, Paul from Law Records, they first wanted me to do Little District, which makes sense. Uh I actually named my little fan site uh, after that. Right. Your Facebook group, uh, yeah. And my first record. Actually, the name of my band for a second was Little District. Really? And that's how it started. And then uh, I had a bass player and a drummer in Philly, and both of them decided they didn't want to tour. They were 
Uh, one of them moved down to Florida. Actually, he's in the band called The Hip Abduction. Now his name's Chris Powers. Oh, yeah. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's a trip. And so I changed. It was going to be the name of the record. was going to be Little District and just self-titled. And I end up changing it to just my name because I didn't have a band, which uh, <laughs> is kind of a common theme in my journey. But uh-huh. um, uh, it ended up being perfect that that ended up being the name of the first record that I ever put out. And I forget how, you know, I've been at it for so long, but I still forget how tied into Bradley I was. And uh, yeah. so just to, to continue with it is, you know, Paul's like, I want you to play Little District. I'm like, well, that's so fitting. Yeah. And, and so I started learning, I, I knew how, I knew the lyrics and everything, but I didn't know to play and sing at the same time. And I learned it all and I'm ready to go in the studio like the next day. And Paul hits me up and goes, Mike, listen, man, Opie really wants to do this. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Opie. And we just did the whole tour at Long Beach Club All-Star. So I'm like, I, I'm like, if it wasn't Opie, I would really put up a fight. Somebody, <laughs> but you know opie's og and and i really love him i really knew they were going to do a good job on that i'm like well that's perfect that's a guy that's a guy i want to hear on that so he's like well what other songs can you do and he gave me the list and nobody on the list it's superstar punani and uh i was like i gotta do that one because i knew that one from teenagers you know it was meant for you i my favorite part i mean i love i love how you play it i love how you sing it but the part that gets me every time is that pause when you go motherfucker and then you start up again it's just the greatest (laughs) like to me that just i don't know it it inserts some of your personality and it just it really feels like something that brad would have done so i think that's why (laughs) i just i really enjoy it you did a great job well i was saying motherfucker because his his voice is so high and he doesn't take any breaks in it (laughs) I mean, I even play a slow version of it and it still feels fast because uh, I don't know when I, when I listened to the original recording on it, it seems like they did the drums and the uh, bass and guitar first. And then like without Brad, I mean, I, I need to know the story behind the recording of it. I should ask Miguel or something Yeah, you should. and, uh, and find out because I'm like, it sounded like they had already tracked everything. And then Brad, they're like, shit, this is too fast. But Bradley's like, fuck it. I'm going to cut it anyway. <laughs> so, and then, cause he's like, a, he's like, a, like he's really flowing. Like, yeah. and I'm going on, there is no way I can do this. Just being a guitar. So I slowed it down probably like five BPMs. And it's still fast and still high. Um, but I really wanted to give it a shot knowing that in, you know, in probably a few years, I'm going to have to take that song and, and record and play it a couple mm-hmm. steps down. Cause <laughs> That boy could that boy could really sing. Well, you certainly nailed it. Nice. Well, thank you for joining us. I know you have a baby on the way soon. Yeah. So I can imagine that wow. your time is getting scarce as you get close to that date. When is the baby due? Baby's due July thirteenth. A little girl. Uh, yeah. Do you have so, a name yet? Yep. Sophia Grace Pinto. Oh my gosh. Keeping that's it very time. That's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very excited for you and Courtney. You Thanks guys can so be much. awesome parents. Yeah. My wife actually, she thought that uh, your fiance's name again, Jared. Jared. His fiance Anna. is Anna. Anna, Anna. <laughs> I wanted to make, yeah. <laughs> she she thought that was you at first, but she wanted to say hi. and uh, But she thought she thought we were going to see each other on video. But um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're really excited. And 
it's been wild, you know, I guess I'll, I'll share it with you now that it's okay, but we've, we just been in the hospital for the last few days because oh. she had a, she had a scare. Uh, the baby had like arrhythmia. She was oh, in this no. like kind of a 1%. Um, it was called SVT. It's basically just had a really fast um, heart rate. Actually, she's here now. You mm. want to say big hi to Kelly? Hi, Kelly. Get her on hi, here. Hi, Courtney. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Good. I wish you, you had feeling a okay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was just telling good. her. Yeah. The baby, oh, you know, she, there wasn't any stress on her, but the baby's uh, heart rate was like going twice as fast. Hmm. And they, I finally got to go to my first uh, doctor's visit, and they were like, "You gotta, you guys need to go to the hospital because her heart is beating too fast." Any but, idea why? No, there's Diet no Mountain Dew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Years of Mountain Dew, Courtney. Yeah, I passed on to her. I like that code red, though. You know. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, I do know. So did they get the, is the heartbeat slowed down now? Yeah. They, gave, okay. they okay. gave the baby like a beta blocker, but they had to monitor us there and we were thinking, okay, let's do, you know, 24 hours every night. And then they're like, you need to be here for three more days. And well, oh gosh. Oh my God. So really a uh, first baby. Definitely. Yeah. So stressful. We're happy so with the sorry. way the result, it, it went right down. The heart rate's good. Baby's good. Heart's healthy. So I've already, she's already worrying me before she came out. I knew <laughs> having a girl. It doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah, it's just the beginning. I, mean, I got I had Italian parents who'd be like totally in the in the darkness of the of the back room when I got home and tried to sneak in. Oh gosh, so I got karma's coming for me. Yeah, that's for sure. How long? Yeah, I got three boys. So oh wow, so you know. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, Mike and Courtney. How long have you guys been married? Uh, three years would be wow. in the year, yeah. December. We're, December. We're like two and a half, one, two and a half years. Winter. So. Wow. We got married on the winter solstice. Oh, oh yeah. Very, nice. very hippie. Very hippie. Congratulations. Kelly, okay. you never ask a husband in front of his wife how long he's been I married know. or what. Yeah, I realized. I actually sweat. We're starting to break a sweat. When you I said. realized when you started stumbling over it, I might've just gotten you in trouble. Nah, nah. <laughs> He's cool. She's. She's not one of those girls. Never, doesn't give me any. Uh, any <laughs> no, we like her. You scored with her, Mike. I did. Say it. You really did. You we did. like her. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to meet the baby, Sophia Grace. Is that what you said, Sophia, Sophia Grace? Grace? Yeah. Yes. And when's there. the baby due? July, mid July, and then um, hopefully you'll be seeing her on tour <laughs> in a couple yeah. like couple of years probably 10 more weeks so we're almost there yeah 10 more weeks till i'm till i'm someone's daddy yeah. i'm a july 27th baby and my oldest was born july 26th so it's oh, a good wow. month good, good month. month you got yeah. some tall kids i do have tall kids. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> kelly you <laughs> You grew, you grew them boys real tall, like I yeah, did. You did good. lots of water and Southern California sunshine. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, I'm like, mm -hmm. I hope that my daughter, I want my my wife's tall too. She, yeah, so I'm good to go. Just so, yeah. well, health. Now that we're, I just want healthy now. It's it's crazy right. and just we've been a Changes little changes your perspective. Yeah, between kind of getting back at some shows and then uh, and then this, it's like. I'm all messed up with sleep. Oh, I'm sure. It's only the beginning. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, dude, this messed up with sleep <laughs> shit hasn't even started yet, I know. bro. I know. So listen, I'll give you a few yeah. tips. Uh, like my firstborn, uh, he would like to wake up late. And I actually got caught 
Um, I probably got up with him at like three o'clock in the morning and it was just in, as he was in his crawling stage. And I was terrified because I, I knew I couldn't stay awake. Um, and this is, this is factual. I could, this is backed up. I took the, uh, <laughs> belt. I took the belt off oh, of my robe, belt. took the belt off of my robe. I tied it around his waist and then around my ankle. Oh. And I sat on the floor with him, and every time I dozed off and he tried to take <laughs> off, my leg would yank and it would wake me back up so I could so I could stay up with him. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I did yeah. that. I did I, that. I, so, I, parenting. I like that. I feel like maybe you should not be giving parenting tips right now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean? That children? <laughs> you know how alive he is? He is so alive right now. I can prove it. I just, I don't know where he is yet. He should be home later, but um, he's definitely think, alive. Yeah, he's probably for sure still. I, yeah, still. I don't have a. Real, I do need a. I need a dad robe. I think now. Yeah, right? you do. Just to embarrass my child at the very least. Absolutely. Oh my god, I do it. I do it to my kids all the time for sure. Um, and then when he got a little older, the very first time he ever went got out of his room on his own, I heard him in the living room turning the TV on, and I shot up out of bed and I ran out into the living room and said, "Oh hey, good morning, bud." And he looked at me and goes, "I didn't touch a knife." Oh my god. <laughs> uh oh, bad liar. Yeah, and I'm like, glad you're having a girl, Mike. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think I am. I've, I've heard that. <laughs> well, until they're teenagers, then right? I'm, until they hit puberty, then you're you're in big yeah. trouble. Yeah, my hmm. wife said she was a, a handful too as a teenager. So are you are you thinking you'll take the girls on the road with you, or what's uh, the plan? I gotta figure it out at some point, yeah. don't I? Um, well, I guess for the next year, I'm gonna try to do, you know, well, as many weekend warrior type of stuff to kind of balance out the. That responsibility especially since things aren't really open open so yeah but i'm just just trying to usually you try to hang in the city and kind of get inspired or write but at this point now between covid and uh and just trying to be there for uh for my wife and i have like a almost a 15 year old pit bull right now too so i got oh. a lot of responsibilities i'm i'm home you second too. i can get home so yeah my, you guys are in new has, jersey yeah, I moved to New Jersey uh, three years ago this month, and uh, it already happened that fast. But it, it worked out kind of good for me to be closer to my family. My folks were getting older, and uh, a lot of nieces and nephews. And I wanted to own a house and be touring, and uh, so that we ended up by the beaches here in in New Jersey. To you know, we're we're on a five year plan. I'm on year three, but we'll see. I don't know. We fi- it took us so long just to get settled so yeah and COVID obviously throws a wrench in all your plans so we'll see but obviously I'd like to get back to the west coast uh eventually and just got to see how everything works for for me musically and and how I'm yeah. gonna attack getting back into this groove with you know uh COVID being over and kind of yeah. having I have a kind of a band on the east coast band on the west coast but with all this time passed, you know, I always think about too, I'm like, you're going to see some different lineups in bands because with all this oh, time, sure. you're getting people who are reflecting on what they really want musically. Mm. You know, the older you get, you get, you can get on the road and you get on the merry-go-round for so long. You're kind of like, wait a minute, is this what I want? Yeah. Uh, and it never, it, it's never what you envision it, you know? Um, but I, I love this acoustic touring has been so good to me 
and just so damn easy. Yeah. And then I have, you know, the compilation of songs that are acoustic called it on everything I got that I think a lot of fans kind of know me from this Love, little raw, yes. raw one take thing that I done, which superstar Punani, which I totally ripped off of, uh, from Bradley, you know, Bradley Noel acoustic, you know, <laughs> I mean, that thing was in my car, you know, high school, college, right. driving across country first time. Those nice. tunes were all the sublime records were. So, uh, you know, I emulated a lot of, you know, I, I tried to take the East Coast version of me and mix it with what Sublime had going on and kind of give my own perspective from a different coast. And then I felt like things were, you know, things were different, you know, it was a kind of a unique approach to, to this genre, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now, the first time I met you, I asked you, how you heard sublime for the first time and you had such a specific story like you remembered where you i think you were in a friend's car and mm -hmm. can mm -hmm. you tell us the story of that oh yeah i mean all my friends were into like fat record stuff lag wagon uh pennywise no effects and then they they would drive me to school in this like little minivan uh and like what i think they're called astro vans and it would always be like, I live like five minutes from school and they'd pick me up like four minutes before school started. And then they would put on like punk rock and we would like get to school with like 30 seconds left. It was like everyday thing. It's kind of traumatic, but, uh, cause you went to, we went to Catholic school. So it was like, you always going to say in your, in your Conwell Egan uniforms, you guys oh, are on your way to, you know, Conwell Egan, where did you look that up at? How'd you know Listen, I'm a, we got a we have a very large research staff here at Bradley's house. <laughs> Brian, my Our, book, so. um, no, my uh, my whole family grew up in Levittown, so I what? spent my yeah, I spent my entire life. Uh, my mom was born and raised in Thornridge, oh my um, God. Yeah. and uh, and yeah, they went to St. Joe's uh, oh, and wow. then and then Pensbury. Um, but yeah, my whole family still lives in uh, still lives in Levittown, and that area was a uh, was a big part of uh, a big part of my life. So Whoa, very, very, very familiar with it. Yeah. I've spent, uh, I spent a lot of time getting kicked off the Conwell Egan uh, baseball diamonds. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was, they don't, spend, yeah, I spent a lot they don't want us, on. they don't want us poor, they don't want us poor public school kids playing out on their diamonds. <laughs> so what years were that? Cause I, yeah, I mean, I was like captain on my baseball team in high school, man. I, I might've been the one throwing Tony get the hell off. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think so. You would have remembered me, bud. Um, uh, I had like purple hair or some shit. Yeah, right. Um, what? Well, I don't. How old are you? I'm 39. I just turned 39. So I graduated yes. in 2000. So. 02 would have been my graduating year. Um, okay. so 39. I actually had some family um, that went to Conwell Egan. Probably um, my cousin uh, Colleen Monahan and Devin oh, okay. Monahan. Um, they were probably right in between you. Um, I think a Colleen's blonde, a, right? a Colleen. Yeah. Hunter. Yeah. She was blonde. Yep. She, and, uh, she went to play softball. Yeah. She was, she played, she was an athlete there. And yeah, uh, I, I remember yeah, that girl. small world. Yeah. They both Whoa, went to Conwell Egan. So I just think yeah. it's funny. You know, you guys are rolling up in the Astro van with the, the punk rock going <laughs> and then, and then yeah, shuffling and off and shuffling so your we, little loafers into school. 
Yeah, it was that. It was Asha van, and it was a, um, a Mercury. We, my, so I think actually I was in my other friend's uh, car. That's Mercury, and I remember hearing uh, all of the DJs. Surely you've taken a lesson. Then I was just like immediately into that. I was like, "What is this?" Start talking fashion. <laughs> I'm calling my Smith and Wesson. And I was, I was it. I was it. Mm. I knew it. I knew I was going to be a fan of that band. Uh, and then it was a shame because he had already passed by that time. Because yeah. I was East Coast, you know, we're so damn late to the game um, <laughs> with this genre. For some reason, it's like even, even now, which you would think, uh, you know. With the internet, everything goes a little faster, but it still feels like it trips me out because I'm more well known on the West Coast than where I grew up, and I just it just kind of cracks me up that uh, I hear people, you know, now they moved to New Jersey. I kind of am playing like smaller shows, so I didn't play New Jersey much, maybe like Asbury Park. Um, but people be like, "Oh, do you you know? I heard of you through these guys, and you know." Bands that I toured with in like '06, like Ballyhoo, and um, I'm like, yeah, I lived here and moved away for a decade and came back before you heard me. And so, <laughs> oh, you know, Bradley, you know, moved. You know, the reason why I wanted to move to Southern California because I've just loved everything that came out of there. And um, it's a shame because a lot of the band members I ended up having live in Long Beach or near, lived in Long Beach at some point. But I always felt like it was too cliche for me to try to go to Long Beach to try to like be something that I wasn't. So I like moved to San Diego, moved to OB, and I didn't even realize at the time that that's where Slightly Stupid lived. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, great. I didn't even realize that. Like, I look like a, a cop out there, too. Like I'm trying to drift off that. But I had no <laughs> idea. I just got it on a on some advice from a guy who ran an open mic that I should move down to Ocean Beach. And I did. And nice. uh, started playing at Winston's and that's, you know, how good things are for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when did you start playing? I started playing when I was like 16, right? Uh, probably like only like six months before I heard Bradley. And the first things I were playing was like, you know, Blink-182 was getting big and, you know, bro him, Pennywise. Mm. Uh, we were playing stuff like that. We were, and then, I mean, I didn't even know, this is how naive and where I came from. I didn't even know who Bob Marley was till after I heard of Brad and Sublime. They introduced, I went, you know, then you would hear like, you know, one good thing about music, when mm -hmm. it hit me feeling open, you know, things like that. And I'm like, who is this? And, you know, I would try to look it all up and, oh, Bob Marley, cool. I, you know, I felt like I'd heard the name, but I like that's how far away from reggae I was, even as a teenager. So, you know, Sublime's music got me into, you know, I went backwards into his influences, the tenor saw. I didn't, you know, wasn't listening to that first. I was listening to anything that was on Warp Tour. And, you know, I really fell in love with Ska. Like, uh, you know, I, I just loved the horns. That's really all I. Mm. I just loved, uh, you know, like Less and Jake and Muddy Buddy Boston. It's just, just because of the horns. You know, I wasn't really into everything else, but I had gone to Warp Tour. But this was probably, I didn't go to Warp Tour to probably like 98. I think that was a couple of years after Sublime went to New Jersey. So was that Camden at the waterfront? 
Yeah, like I went there and saw and uh, Les and Jake and and uh, I Les and Jake and Money Buddy Boston's are the two that stuck out to me. I think I saw Lagwagon there. I love Joey Cape's writing. Um, and then I was that was it on like SoCal and I was on it was all on my radar, and uh, that's how. But once I found Sublime, I just got you know it, Scott was it over for me. I was into this trying to mix mix it all together and create a style like the wise man once said hmm. so uh that was that's been by my main thing to try to do is i've always wanted to do what he said and kind of create my own thing with uh, you know obviously i don't have a singing voice anywhere near like brad's it's it's a unique kind of nasally uh john lennon influenced uh, thing on top of, you know, I love the Beatles and I love sublime. And I was always like trying to like smash it together and get something different. Uh, because I know, I feel like if I actually saw like a deep cut of like John Lennon, they had just like went to Jamaica or been in touch with Jamaicans, maybe in England. And he was digging it. And he's like, this thing's from Jamaica, this music's from Jamaica. And he started singing some song, some deep cut. And I'm like, that makes so much sense with mm. the harmonies. And uh, I mean, uh, even Easy Star All-Stars had done uh, Sgt. Peppers. Yeah. But Michael Rose in a couple of those tunes. And I was just out of this world. And I was really dug that. Um, and then I met like the Agrolites, did some shows with the Agrolites, a couple tours. And I wanted to kind of fuse that uh, soul into it as well. And then, uh, you know, so it was, those are kind of like my, it was Bob Marley, it was Bradley, it, but it was Bradley was one forever, you know? Then it got, got to the point, it's like, all right, Mike, you can't really steal his, uh, <laughs> your past being 22, you can't really jack anybody's style. You have to make it your own. <laughs> you know how it all goes. That usually musicians just try to play the tunes that, they love the most and that was that was brad yeah. that was definitely brad so that's awesome you know then i met you at you know d piazzas and you know being in long beach and and uh that fun little venue that's a great venue isn't it and, uh, yeah and so it's cool though i still you know that's where i met guys eric hirschhorn when he was like 17 now he's in he's in revolution but mm -hmm. he still jammed a lot of records with me and played some plays that toured with me and uh josh molay and max o'leary those were the other horns and josh they both were in tribal seeds josh is still in tribal seeds so uh it's cool where this whole journey takes you and i probably wouldn't be doing that this podcast i'm guessing or even be on that compilation Obviously, Kelly and I became friends, and she recommended me to be on this uh, compilation. I think that's how I got it. Yes, first. I did. <laughs> so, thank you for doing that. Cause... I'm sure they would have come up with you anyway, but yes, I did say I really need my <laughs> compilation. So. You better. That's right. I'm a yeah. fan. And Paul, so, and you from OB too. Paul from yeah. OB. Exactly. Oh. I love that this whole um, the whole reggae rock community is so. Like there's so much overlap and it, I just, I love that. I love that there's different people that have played with different bands and featured on this. And, you know, I just, I think that's really cool. 
I think it really brings a lot of depth to the music. Yeah, and it's really wild because uh, I always loved like what was going on in this genre. But then I'm, when I got a, I had a manager and an agent. And they were like, "Well, you're not reggae. You're like something else." I'm like, "Well, what am I? You know, I don't know. What <laughs> I, I'm like, you tell me." I was so like impression impressionable. I'm like, "Well, everybody's loving this," and then it was, you know, it got me a little fouled up for some time. You know, when when I definitely fell. Uh, you know, fell into other people's ideas of what maybe I should be. And I, I love so many genres that I was open to try to change. And then while I was trying to do that, this whole genre just exploded. And I found myself a little like, damn, I was right the whole time. This is, this is the <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. what the hell but is everybody trying to take me away from this for? And you definitely family. put your own spin on it because you're, yeah. you're yeah. such a storyteller. I mean, you really, I, that's how I always used to think of you. And then I actually, saw that in print one time. I'm like, yes, that's exactly it. He's a storyteller, but it's almost like a, like a, a folk artist type of storytelling, mm-hmm. but with the, you know, the reggae and the ska and yeah. spin to it, you know, and a little bit of punk. And I mean, it's just, it's such a great mixture. I love it. And mm-hmm. I love that, that you do tell the stories. Um, obviously my kids are big fans of yours as well, especially my youngest, Andrew. And I'm pretty sure he knows every single word <laughs> to every single song you've ever written. That's and great. I do, while we're on the subject of Andrew, I just want to thank you again. I know you've had a couple conversations with him that were so incredibly meaningful for him. And I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Well, I think it's, it's great. like, you know, you see your mind is so blown that it's like, I'm affecting family member of the one that changed my life because that's what really happened. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not hyperbole. I was destined for wall street and working in New York. And I, I went to school uh, for that all gung ho trying to follow in like, you know, my father's footsteps and, you know, but it just, that's not what was meant for me. And uh, Brad, I'm not kidding. When you say Bradley just changed it all. I went from that to, now I want to play music for the rest of my life. And then uh, I went on a couple study abroad programs. I went on one to Australia and I had like all these Americans and I was playing these songs that were ended up being tricky, Nikki Bill's song. The very oh first songs gosh. that I ended up releasing uh, one more time. Mm. And they were like, I was only 22 and they're like, dude, you should do this. This, you should absolutely, this should be your job. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, I went to on a tour to, to California and I never left. I never came back to Philly nice. shortly after probably booking shows through MySpace. And wow. That's how far along ago that was. But <laughs> that's to how date old myself. You are. <laughs> um, the, we have a mutual friend, as you know, Jaime oh, yeah. Scott. And the first time I ever met him was at one of your shows. He had posted on Facebook that you were going to be playing at the Slide Bar in Fullerton. Oh, yeah. And so um, I was all excited to come and he sent me a message and he's like, you know, well, what songs do you want to hear? I'll, you know, I'll ask Mike to play it for you. And I was just like, okay, that's really difficult. And I, I'm probably rattled off like eight different titles of songs <laughs> that I would love to hear. And, and I think he was surprised that it wasn't just like all of the, you know, the, the more well-known ones. And yeah. um, he was like, wow, you really know his music. I'm like, yeah, dude. Like every day, every day I listen to this stuff. And at that time, it was probably it was probably five years ago. And I'd been listening to you for at least five years. So mm-hmm. yeah, just yeah. It, 
great music. You really have a gift. Thank you. I'm trying to figure out where to go now. I like to, I just like so many uh, styles and it's getting to the point where I just can't do the same. I try not to do the same thing twice, but uh, some fans, they want you to, you know, they want to have you stay in the, the genre that they enjoy. Sure. sure. So that's the part I'm at now, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to try to, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I'm definitely going to try to separate and do kind of a reggae ska record and then do a non-reggae uh, rock and folk record. But I'm sure the reggae is going to come first, but uh, I just got to separate it completely because I, you know, people are like, who the hell are you and why am I going to put you on a reggae rise up type of thing? Well, not, mm. not who the hell are you, but yeah what is this right right <laughs> like is this really you know you have half of the the record is reggae and half of it's folk uh rock johnny cash like even my last record was like all over the place and i I just always wanted to be a songwriter for other mm -hmm. people and like sit down in a in a room and see what people are going through and come up with their uh their story you know really so, uh, yeah, that's all I ever really wanted to do. But for some reason, that's a even harder game to get into uh, hmm. because I don't know. I guess the bigger players, um, you know, it's hard to relinquish whatever they got going on, sure. you know, control. Uh, or people want to talk about their own lives, I guess. But yeah. to any young artists out there, I, got, I don't know if I'm opening the floodgates here, but um, don't do it to yourself. Yeah, I'd like to. <laughs> Yeah, I like to write for you, but just know that, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you know, when you're young, you're not, you're not quite ready. Like even when I was 22, 23, I just, I was very green. Even though I wrote this songs, like the songs were there, but the voice wasn't, I was a very mm -hmm. young voice. So sometimes it's, you got to be careful not to uh, run before you walk. And I probably, I was too excited and I lived in California, not knowing anybody. Uh, wow. you know, I didn't know one person. So that was, uh, pretty trying on me for a while. Cause I, I grew up like with a lot of friends, you know, grew up like surrounded by a lot of people. And like, I was always loved throwing the party and then to move to a place where, you know, zero people and a whole different culture wow, uh, yeah. from where I grew up is like, huh, you know, I was a little more quiet than I, <laughs> was accustomed to but it was it was a great uh learning experience and just the fact that places like san diego and really embraced me and my music and uh you know i i, I wouldn't have been you know if i got rejected uh immediately i don't think i would have had the the stomach to to hang in there and keep going but you know they were very welcoming places like winston's and deep piazzas and other bands were just very encouraging for me. So, and then the fans and all this social media has, they've always been there, you know, sending me messages, positive stuff. And then, so it's been pretty much a trip for a guy from a town of like 3000 people who used to hmm. burn CDs from Walmart and uh, sell them over uh, PayPal for $6 <laughs> or something. That's how I started, you know. Wow. Wow. So. so how has the whole pandemic impacted 
you personally and you musically and what have you been doing since all everything shut down? Um, well, for a while, I uh, was, I, you know, I've been trying to learn piano. I'm not quite where I want to be, but I, I really dug into trying to, to work on getting better musically. And then uh, you start getting the itch to, to play live. And I did a lot of private parties that were like really socially distanced, small groups. I, I mean, I, I got to do it for my own, my life force. You know, I have to play live. So if it's eight, 10 people, as long as, you know, we did it as safely as possible, like say last summer, I kind of started playing some stuff again and really got kind of back into where, you know, what I was talking about when I moved to Southern California, these small shows. And I mean, I really love it. It reignited kind of a fire in me. Uh, about why I got into this in the first place. Cause you know, you're in the long enough and you, you start kind of being like becomes your job or, you know, sure. people make, people make it your job or into your business. So you have to be more business like, which is not really what I wanted. I, you know, I, if, if it becomes a business, I could have been making some good money in New York city. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole thing I was trying to avoid. Right. But, um, then from there, I think I just, uh, I started trying to write different types of songs that I haven't written before. I just wanted to do, and the, and the vibes, you know, there's no way I can write a record about good vibes during the pandemic, you know, yeah. and I also, one, you don't, I, I didn't feel like I wanted to write a song about the pandemic. Um, cause I knew it'd be over and I never want to play those songs again. Right. right. And once this is over, no one's ever going to want to think about this pandemic unless there's another pandemic. Right. Uh, so I'm like the person that if I would write a love song about a girl at the time and then we're not together anymore, I stop playing that song in my set. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how popular it is. I'm just, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to touch that song. Yeah, it's kind of so awkward. I, I knew that that's how I would be, so I haven't written that. But so the vibes of the songs are definitely, you know, isolation. Our themes, you know, is a theme, and um, you know, you think about what people, you know, friends and drug abuse, and uh, that gets mixed into it. And then, uh, you know, was a little pretty angry for a while because I moved to the East Coast because I wanted the tour before having a child and then yeah. there's no touring. Right. The whole idea was to be a little bit more financially secure because it's cheaper to live here and then be on the road. And, you know, my wife is totally supportive of all that. And, uh, you know, life doesn't work out the way you always want it. So, you know, I've been, I've been writing a little bit more like punk songs recently, you know, just Getting little- some of that rage out. Yeah, it's cool. I feel that. Yeah. That was the nicest way of getting some of that rain. <laughs> Wasn't it so nice how she puts things? Well, I, I, so I don't think people realize. Somebody? <laughs> you know, there's, uh, there, there's no, there's no unemployment way. for musicians, right? I mean, you guys, you guys have to try to still earn a living and, and be ready for all of this to come off. There's no... There's no uh, line at the unemployment office, you know, musicians get over here and, uh, mm-hmm. and collect your checks. So, um, you know, well, you, you got to do it. I know they're, they're still giving me trouble. You know, I tried to, you know, uh, 
file for unemployment for the first time in my life. And you don't have a day, you don't have a weekly paycheck and it doesn't really fit into their, uh, model of how to pay out somebody. So it's <laughs> right. like, well, no, I play for like a month and then I don't play for like another month. That's the way it goes. <laughs> you know, like that's the way my work goes, but I'm like always working. You know, I'm like, you're trying to explain it to a government worker. You're like, yeah, it's way over their head. But, uh, you know, look, we did, I did live streams like once a week for like, uh, months, four or five months, but you know, that lose that loses luster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, podcasts are still obviously really popular, which is great. I see a lot of, uh, yeah, we're thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're there. People are pivoting to that. And, uh, I think it's a good idea. It'd be kind of fun, but I, I think there's something else I'm, you know, might want to do a podcast about. I haven't really found, you know, you guys already got this, this whole genre on lock. Uh, I (laughs) want to, you know, I don't see there's room. There's there's room for everybody. And right. let me tell you, Mike, I have a feeling that uh dude, I don't think this internet thing is a fad. I think it's here to stay. So um <laughs> yeah. these podcasts and, and streaming type things might uh you know might be a good idea. Yeah, I mean it was it was great to, like I said, you know, I'm not trying to repeat myself too much, but the fans and uh, or be cliche that the people who reached out and then you do these little private uh sessions and you play for a couple friends or a family who likes your music and it really means a lot to them you're like holy shit this is why this is what i used to do in the very beginning and this is uh what i really love to do you know yeah gives you a chance to connect differently yeah it's just that that was the reason why i got into this is to feel meaningful to somebody uh not like play for a whole crowd and you're just kind of like I mean, that, that excitement is a whole great thing. But then after it, you're so, it's the adrenaline. It's a whole nother feeling, you know, it's, it's excitement, but it's yeah, a little less personal, you know? Yeah. I, I loved going, you know, I like going to the merch table and meeting people. That's why this acoustic stuff is so great for me. And I'm probably going to continue to do that throughout this year. Um, just cause it's easy for the band. It's easy for the, uh, venues and it's easy for me and the fact that my wife was pregnant uh, and still is pregnant for the last uh, seven months it's like well i can't get together with a band like every once in a while and then bring you know get in a van or get get in my bus and try to uh you know before we had a vaccine or before you know anybody had a better grasp on what was what this all was about and uh bring it back to a pregnant wife so right uh, but fans have been really understanding. I thought I'd have to get, I, and I went down to Florida and I knew, you know, it's a shit show down there um, in certain places with no one caring about anyone's safety or their own. Mm. Um, and, but people were really res- have been respectful and it's like, you could set it up like a comedy club, especially acoustic. And, and that just felt really fun, you know, especially yeah. with, you know, you're talking about having that, influence like folk and telling stories you hear the whole story with just me and a guitar whereas like you're not hearing a horn section and keys like trying to blow the roof off which i love that too yeah just a different vibe yeah but i haven't done it acoustic in a while i go i should have been doing this acoustic like uh national tours each coast once a year and just Mm -hmm. and then do the band tour too 
And uh, I'm hoping to do that in the future. It's been uh, a little bit of growing pains moving to the East Coast and trying to find steady musicians. Uh, I'm looking for some horn players, too, if we're really talking about po- this on a podcast, if whoever gets out to on the East Coast. Mm. Uh, you know, I, it's tough to, to, you know, to replace my guys who they call themselves Ichiban Horns. It's really mm-hmm. the big shoes to fill, and it's, uh, you know, it's hard. So, dude, um, I'm sad because it's so. It is. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Scratch that, y'all. I got crush it. We'll just edit that last part <laughs> right out, man. New because... player from Levittown. We're good. I can I can make it happen. I feel you know what you keep saying that. Yeah, you know, I moved back to the East Coast, and but like when you were out on the West Coast, what was it like not being able to have pizza or a cheesesteak or water ice or Wawa? I mean, there's a lot of benefits. Yeah, I don't know any yeah. of this. What's water ice? <laughs> oh my it's god Italian, first of all it's, first of all it's water oh. ice okay water water what? ice it's it's, uh, well, it's water in ice levittown, in levittown is definitely water ice water <laughs> oh you son of a <laughs> nah, actually my best friend says water so water uh, you get it i only say water when i get really pissed like for the most part i can say i say water just to appease everybody but like if my mind says i'm like oh uh, can you can you hand me that glass of water please that's what that's what i want to say but i train myself to say to say water but water is what i really would would say don't laugh don't laugh this is just funny yeah because i my my father and both my parents are from south philly and so they had crazy accents all around them but my dad yeah, was, your dad your dad was an eagles fan right yeah well yeah, he, he doesn't say that no but he was an english teacher uh for oh, a while okay. before he became before he got into uh working in new york and things like that but he was always grind like grinding me about uh speaking uh clearly and and not and using proper english instead of slang philly slang because he was you know, I think he was tired of it all. You know what I mm. mean? From because if it's hard to leave the, I guess leave the block in South Philly, and uh, and then his father didn't even speak English uh, very much at all. So I mean, I'm like Italian immigrant uh, grandparents. Or wow. Well, you do realize that if you don't move back to the West Coast, your little Italian daughter Sophia on the Jersey Shore, she's going to be <laughs> dotting her eye with a heart. Right? I know, I know. I'm, I'm just want to let you know that I'm when she's really concerned about, it. yeah, when she's when she's right, eye with a heart. Yeah, when she's writing her name, that's what that's what those that's what those little what Italian girls, that's what them little yeah. Italian girls from South Philly did. I had probably four Lisas in my class, and every single one of them, the little eye in their name was dotted with a heart. They kind of just put the dot, they put the little heart in there, but that's okay. It's all right. Oh it's like, it could be yeah, it's. Uh, it's wild just because the cultures are so different, but I mean, I do, I love the East coast for, for everything it is. I, I just had so much damn fun over there on the West coast. And I felt like maybe uh, musically I was embraced so quickly and it felt so right. Whereas here it's like a grind. It's, it's, it's harder there. I, I must say that I feel like a lot of times, East Coast fans look West first, and then when it's popular on the West Coast, then they embrace it. I don't know what it is. I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's a generality, but I do feel like, you know, that happens. 
and I, it happened with me, you know, we were the last to know about Sublime and Slightly Stupid and Pepper and all those guys. And they were already tearing up the West Coast by then. I, and I feel like in some ways that happens. So I'm just like, damn, now I'm back here. And I feel like I was in some ways, you know, even in just New Jersey, just uh, playing uh, locally. And I'm like, man, this show would be rocking if it was in Long Beach. You know, like in San Diego, it's just, it's taking some time and it's a, a genuine growing pains that I'm going through. So, well, the, the West Coast is always there for you. In fact, mm-hmm. um, speaking of our mutual friend, I was actually just talking to Jaime a few days ago and telling him that I needed a vacation. And he said, Oh, dude, just come here. You can stay in Pinto's bed. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he bought a bed for me to visit him. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've, I've been I've been given the go ahead. I can sleep in your bed. So just a heads up. Yeah, it's funny because when he was in the hospital, I sent him like all these like really like rainbow colored Care Bears and stuff like that. Like, all this really <laughs> pretty stuff. Yeah. And he like you know just to make him laugh and I'll cheer him up. And then like when I got to his house, they they were all on his on the bed like a. <laughs> and I was like, "This is your bed." I'm like, oh my god, dude. Oh, you can't buy that kind of entertainment that he provides. Yeah. Hi, I, mean, I know you're listening. How you doing, bud? Yeah. You, uh, you, you can't, you can't buy that kind of entertainment. Yeah, and that friendship either. He's a good dude. So he's been, you know, he pushed me a lot uh, on trying to get me involved in in this scene on the West Coast too, and trying to get me connected. We used to play some great shows with like Dela from Slightly Stupid and C Money was in Slightly Stupid and other side projects. And he would promote it in OB, Josh Fischel, uh, you know, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. We would do like Valentine's Day shows and other fun stuff when Stupid wasn't on tour. And it used to just go crazy. It'd always be sold out. And, uh, you know, Jaime's energy was a big part of that. And then Stupid, uh, the whole Stupid crew would come out and hop on stage. You know, just to, if it wasn't for him, I would, would never have gotten those opportunities and just like done you know, fun shows like that help to be part of the community, raise some money on some uh, charity events. And this, you know, I got to give a big up to slightly stupid because even though I didn't know uh, that they were living in ocean beach, they, man, those guys really care about that community. They fundraiser after fundraiser, like they do, you know, cause everybody lives pretty freely there. Not a lot of people had their own insurance, especially this is a pre Obamacare and they they go play a show on the drop of a hat for somebody, raise the money, and and the that person went got the care they needed. You're like, holy shit, it's awesome. You know, I gotta give you know people. I'm sure people who know stupid know have a story because mm. those boys are really really uh, they really reach out. And I'm not saying other bands aren't, but that's just my experience. And I got to be a part of that stuff too, and made me feel part of the community. And you're just like, wow, this is the power of what you can really do with this music, which we know now with Bradley's house, same thing. Now it's like next level. Uh, you know, are you guys going to ever do another one? Do we, we talk about this? Is this uh, another album or anything else like that? Do you have any, other I hope so. Nothing, nothing in the works yet. With but other we've artists? Talked, it doesn't have to be about potentially doing other things. Yeah. But nothing, Nothing concrete yet, but I hope we do. I hope we do. That's been a lot of fun and also such great exposure 
yeah. know, for the foundation and really getting the word out and helping people to understand who we are and what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, I mean, we sort of have a, have a twofold thing. On the one hand, we've got to raise the money to be able to open and operate the house. But then at the same time, we also want people to know that once the house is open, that those services are available. So, mm-hmm. you know, I like getting that we get the word out and I, we already get requests from people for help. And that just creates that sense of urgency, you know, to get yeah. the house open. But, um, well, when it how- opens, you know, when it opens, we got to get some videos of, you know, your artists there. You know, Absolutely. Song, you know, play their yeah. song at Bradley's house. Wow. What a great feeling that would be for me to do it. So you can count me in on that anytime. Thank you. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Absolutely will. Yeah. Mike up there, me behind him on the gazoo, us just (laughs) down. I can't wait. Are you saying gazoo like with a G? (laughs) Kazoo. Okay. Totally. Every time you said it. With your water and your gazoo. Yeah. Gazoo. Like with a G. That is not correct. (laughs) No, no. I, I would imagine it's a K, but I guess I've never really looked into it. It is. Yeah. it is a K, yeah. It could be. It could be a Q. U. I don't know. No, it, it's really it's, not. <laughs> you got a Buffalo and a Levittown accent mixed together, man. You're yeah. in trouble. It's bad news. Well, yeah. The, I can. I can go play Buffalo. Way. When are we gonna do? We got a book about. I've never played Buffalo in my whole life. I don't know Dude, why. we've got some awesome spots up here, and honestly. A really, a really good following for the scene. Um, Stupid comes Dude, through here every Buffalo. year. Uh, Bump and Uglies come through every year. Tropidelic, and they all, uh, they all light it up. So, yeah, actually, uh, Brandon is the one who told me that he loves playing Buffalo. He's the one who told me I got to get up there. He's like, they love their the music, and I was like, I just am clueless, you know. For some reason, we've never. Uh, also, bars are open until four here, so oh, you can wow. play. You, you can get a late night show in, and uh, and they let them they let them ride. So musicians, wow, um, yeah, musicians eat it up here because you know you can start your set. At, you know, there's times that people start sets at eleven and twelve here at at different spots um, because it's open. It's open so late. So uh, yeah, man. Anytime you're anytime you want to come up to Buffalo, it's only like uh, I don't know about a seven hour drive for you. That's oh my nothing. gosh! That's nothing for me. Yeah, that's nothing, yeah. and uh, and we don't have any snow from like July first to July thirteenth. Nice. So, <laughs> okay. Get in there. So, like, very small window of opportunity for. Mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extremely small. Yeah, I'm there though. I mean, I'd love to do it. So, hey, I'm I have a question. Putting, I'm putting all this good stuff out on these podcasts because I know it, it's. Amazing how you manifest this shit. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question for you. Um, How have you navigated the whole party atmosphere of a musical career and still, you know, managed to stay on track? (laughs) Uh, Well, I fell off some tracks for a little while, but not not too bad. But, you know, with me as a, you know, I come from drinking was big, Mm -hmm. you know. And I, I got to admit that it probably hasn't helped. It didn't help me when I was younger in a few instances uh, on those long tours. It probably didn't help my career. Uh, you know, you get on, you go on tour like seven weeks and, you know, by the end your hands wow. shaking because you drink every day because you think because you're 26 and you think you're indestructible. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, I, I only learned the hard way that's that's always been it for me and 
I could probably think of a couple of things where I've really, you know, probably hurt relationships, you know, to be quite honest, then, then helped them with drinking. Uh, nothing else really got to me too much. Uh, but, uh, now well, once I hit 30, I, I really kind of just decided, well, this, I want to enjoy this. I stopped for a little while. I wanted to get into songwriting. I was trying to write for a couple small artists and then it made me really miss touring. So when I got back, I kind of had a better frame of mind about, you know, you grow up a little bit. Um, yeah. But the idea with, with navigating it is to, to just be honest. And uh, there's something punk rock and, and doing whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I always, I think of Henry Rollins a lot when you see a guy sober where you like, you the last guy you'd think would be a sober uh, artist mm, yeah. and how, and how uh, great of a career he had black flag and all. And you would think that those guys are wasted and uh, every night, but it's just not the case. Um, so there's, there's plenty of ways to, to skin it, but it, uh, it does, you know, for me, I, I got to admit, like I told you, when I was out on the West Coast, I didn't have close friends, I, you know, that I could really trust for a while. And so probably uh, drinking was, you know, something that helped make me feel more comfortable in those situations. And then, but I never, it was never really with the show. I never, I only think of a handful of shows where like, I was like, oh, this is, I got too fucked up. But, um, uh, you know, as time goes on, it's just not that cool to be wasted uh, after all the work it takes. Because it's just so it's just so much work to get to the point of playing real tours. And uh, so you just, you know, for me, I learned the hard way and I made those mistakes. And I think about, you know, there's probably people who saw me play maybe when I was younger and you never get a second chance to 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 beat a uh, get a first impression here mm. and it might have been you know i might my career might have suffered from drinking to be quite honest so I, maybe i could say i didn't navigate it very well as a younger man because of all these things combined but now i feel like i got my head on straight uh and it's never too late and it's you know it's it's kind of cool now because i'm still unknown to maybe younger fans uh, who, when this genre blew up, you know, gravitated to bigger names and everything. But once they find me, it's like six records. You know, you get mm-hmm. you get a whole. You're gonna get about say eighty songs. Yeah. So, you know, you can catch up. <laughs> I think. I think one of my favorite lines in the history of this podcast, Kelly, was when we had uh, Paul and Yee on, and uh, Yee had mentioned that he realized that being sober was the new wasted, and, <laughs> yeah, and and how much how much better it was for him and, and his career, yeah. and uh, and I, I just I got a great I got a good laugh out of that. Yeah, well, I mean, and and Pepper is a party band, you know, like yeah. I can't imagine how many people not I mean they're fun for a party band. I mean that that's what they're yeah, they are. Yeah. A, they're a traveling party. Their energy is great. Yeah, but you know the drummer still got to keep time. So it must have been difficult for him to do that mm-hmm. for the longest time because it's just so damn easy. We we know that right. being young to it's an easier route. Yeah, it's to just you know 
and it is part of like a business and you're, you know, I moved to California without $600 to my name wow. and, uh, you got to make money too. You got to sell merch. So you got to kind of, you got to stay in there and kind of be like, we, you know, please buy my CD. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the beginning. And that, you know, that takes a lot of energy too. And you're in bars sure. for people who are, who are drinking and it's easy to, Oh, well I'll take a shot with you. And okay. And then one becomes, who knows, countless. But I remember nice. there was a time, I think it was 2013. Uh, I was just about right about 30 and by 29. And I remember doing this long tour and I, I knew I drank like every day and my, and I had to call up my one friend who had already gone through it. And I go, I think I'm on my way to have a problem here. And, mm. and, uh, but he, you know, calmed me down and we kept, we kept in touch cause he had had trouble, but I wasn't, you know, I was functioning very well. I could wait till after the show, but it, you know, uh, I'm sure many musicians say, you know, you start not, you can't enjoy the road after a long period of time. If your body's not in shape and you're, and you're just feeling like shit from drinking all the time, there's just no right. way to, for that to last. So, uh, you know, you just, you learn, but sometimes it's the hard way, but, it's good to have a crew of people around you that can have each other's backs and just kind of check each other in a healthy way without like yelling. Yeah. But damn. I can't tell you how many people, you know, I think about people that I played with and you know, a lot of drinking going on, you know, and you know, uh, you, you have regrets from doing yeah. that. So it's well, not it's the easiest. It's, it's, you know, I, I do commend artists who don't, drink it all because that's that's not easy yeah well so what what can we expect from you next michael well i just uh i just recorded a uh acoustic show up in felton california and i kind of told i talked a little bit more than i usually do about the songs Ooh. it kind of felt like an extension from the live stream like I, you know because people ask you all these questions yeah and then they wanted to record this, and I did about 20-something songs, 21 songs. 20. I just kept going. And uh, so that should come out sometime within the year. And I'm going to have – I'm working with uh, the guitarist, uh, Pete Steinkoff, of, uh, of the Bouncing Souls over here in New Jersey now, which is great. Pretty, wow. pretty heavy punk band here. Yeah. So it worked out. I wrote a couple punk songs and then I reached out to this really cool gallery called Danny Clinch Transparent Gallery in Asbury Park, a rock and roll, um, a rock and roll gallery, man. I mean, this guy photographed Tupac, uh, Green wow. Day, Weezer. I'm surprised he didn't get Bradley, but it might have been, you know, but he, they used to tour with the Butthole Surfers. Uh, him and this woman Tina, they used to support that. Oh wow! Yeah, so they you you know the, the Sublime crew and them probably know the same circles. Yeah. But I went to them and I played a a little underground show, which was really great. And and all the the shots are on the wall. Uh, I have a Johnny Cash print that he took that ended up being on uh, the cut became the cover. 
Uh, I mean, Bruce Springsteen, like, you know, I guess they're really close friends and all this stuff. So any, he did his last record. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. Uh, the talent that's in Asbury that I'm just slowly uh, learning about. So I'm doing a record with him. I uh, got a few songs and then wrapped up now and going to keep going with him. And then I'm actually working. We just started a couple tunes with uh, Kyle Ahern, who um, plays uh, lead guitar in revolution and just produced mm-hmm. their last record. Nice. So he came to my house and my little studio, which I'm in right now, talking to you. And we started like a Gregory Isaacs type of track that I'd wrote, written and, I'm hoping to do a few more with him. So, you know, everybody goes, oh, New Jersey. Like, what the hell What the hell do you mean to New Jersey for? I'm like, well, I must admit for the, uh, for as lost as I kind of, I had felt for the first couple of years, I was able to, to link up with some really great artists and uh, good people too. Both those guys are, are really uh, good people on top of and encouraging. Uh, which I like to have in the studio. And, oh, I'm uh, sure. So that's kind of too, I don't know how long it's going to take me to do the two records, but I'm going to do them. I have a few songs left over, even from the Truthful Lies uh, record really? that I never released that I got to figure out how to tweak and put out. Um, yeah, they've just been sitting there. <laughs> I don't know why. I just... I think waiting it's for the right moment. Yeah, technologically challenged a little too about like what do I do with these things, and I'm not really too hip to the recording uh, process. I like to go into somebody else's studio and let the experts uh, handle that side. Well, but, plus you haven't laid the kazoo tracks yet, so exactly. It's been waiting. <laughs> you mean for the kazoo. kazoo? The kazoo solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get get ready. Polish that sucker off. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm excited. A couple more records. And I think the solo, uh, the acoustic record will kind of allow me to do this for the, till everything's completely back to normal. And then I know when everything's normal, it's like, you know, the big acts have these big tours that they've been pushing out for two years and it, putting off, I mean, for two yeah. years. So then it's going to go from, you know, zero to to a hundred. And I'm, yeah still at that point where I think me staying acoustic for a little while is going to serve me. And as far as getting into these cities that people have been wanting me to get into, uh, and then trying to play some full band shows in say Southern California and then where I live now, just kind of keeping it safe and, and, uh, you know, allowing these venues to, you know, to kind of work with these people and I'm going to feel like grow again in relationships so that, you know, you, I don't want places like world cafe and in uh, Philadelphia or belly up in Solana beach ever to go away uh, or Winston's for that matter. I don't know yes. what's going on. I got to find the story, the story, but I, from what I'm hearing, I don't think they're, they're down, but not out. And it's like, I want to play there. So I, yeah. I don't want that place to go away. They, they nurtured me as a, uh, young green musicians. So if in my mind, I like, Oh, I want to help them. For sure. Uh, they open so they can continue that. Cause then you're just going to get, I don't know what's going to happen. I and mean, we can't have ticket master everything. And right. 
you, you want to have, you got to have these independent venues though. I'm sure a bunch of them are going to change hands or have since I, that, that worries me a little uh, because you want, you don't want to lose these places because they, there's a place in Corpus Christi. There's a place in Phoenix uh, you know, you name the in Buffalo that yeah. if it's not that you're not going to get uh, bands to be able to become good enough to take take it on the road. So right, we need that. And we uh, do those venues are important. Yeah, and I know it's that it's been talked about a lot, but I don't see any. I don't know much legislation that's gone behind it. You know, so we'll have to see as as things go on. It's like we got to do more than just like a fundraiser. Um, you know, what is it? You know, these, um, what do you call it? No, I can't think of the word. Uh, you know, when you raise funds to the internet, what's that site? Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Uh, GoFundMe. GoFundMe. Yeah. Like we can't just do GoFundMe. That's not, it's not enough. Yeah. You can't yeah. just throw money at it because, it's not gonna help. Uh, it's a short-term solution, to, right? It's not long-term, right? Yeah, yeah. That's just gonna help them pay the rent for a couple times. It's like, how can we really? You see some of these venues, and they're like paying rent on, so like they can't get past a few months. Yeah, and they, they're gonna have to the move, or we need to figure out to get these places where there's a little more power in the venues, where they don't have to pay rent and they can that are smaller and they can survive or um, well, hopefully. I think there was something that was passed actually for, really? for helping some of these, uh, some of these smaller venues that could apply for some grants and, and get some leeway to keep themselves yeah, going. So um, yeah. I was just reading about that. Yeah. That they've got to do something, but um, you know, the fact remains is that there's always going to be a demand for, for good live music. And, uh, and you certainly offer that. So um, although it may not be some of the historic places that you're used to playing at, or some of the places that, you know, give you those warm and fuzzies on the inside because you have good memories there, but there's always going to be places booking Mike Pinto, man. Well, I hope so. Cause I'm i I'm ready, but uh, I also like these, like these backyard, things that are going on that I, you know, made some relationship. It's like, you almost wish that they have this kind of circuit where you could do that too. Uh, I don't want to lose the, you know, this uh, intimate relationship with the fans. I, I just think it's so, it's so right when it comes to this yeah. genre. Uh, and if everybody's happy and everybody can win, you know, the artist can make, good money to then get back on the road. It's kind of like the Kickstarter. You know, I remember, I think I did pledge music on one of my records and I ended up playing a couple private shows and the the money was like, uh, you know, comparable to what I can make on the road now. And that, that could, you know, pay for a whole band's uh, new record. If you do, you know, six or seven on a little circuit, I, I would encourage fans to keep that up because I think it, you know, instead of having musicians feel like they need to beg, right? But it's always, you know, one is the ego thing. Cause it's like the people you feel with me, like posting all the time. I understand it's a business, but man, it's just like, I, I don't like to talk about myself a lot, you know, right. like me, 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 this is what I'm up to, blah, blah, blah. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a private person, but I also try to, you know, it feels like ego, ego starts to take over, um, in that and it gets away from the music too. But the, the backyard parties, those are like a perfect way to feel, still feel like an artist, not have to do crazy amounts of, uh, internet uh posts every single day just to keep people's attention to fund future projects because you know there's nothing worse like stressing out about money being in a studio right. <laughs> just like oh man how are we gonna get this money uh, sure. or, you well, know. hopefully coming out of all this there'll be such an influx of people wanting to hear live music and get back out there again and and I, I could see how that, you know, could really be a benefit for the venues and the artists and the fans. And, and yeah. so, you know, hopefully that's what we'll start to see in these next coming months. Yeah, I agree. I do. I just really like these. I like these parties, these private parties. It's just so much fun. Uh, you know, to, to know you're someone's favorite band and you're like in their backyard is like, right. You see their heads like going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, if, uh, if if we've got some listeners that are listening and they're like, oh, holy shit, we've got that, that big party coming up this summer. Um, how can people find you? How do they reach out to you? How do they oh, book man. you? How do they buy your merch? How do they get T-shirts and CDs? And um, how, how does everyone get in touch with Mike Pinto? Oh, well, most of it's like uh, MikePintoMusic.com or through my Instagram, which is MikePintoMusic. Um, those are the, the two best ways. And message me and if we can, you know, talk to my people and we can just make it happen. But I usually talk to, I still like to do, you know, directly if I can up to a certain point. Uh, I don't, I, part of me doesn't want to lose, not to say I'm going to do it like forever and ever, but to, to do it somewhat for, you know, every year, I think that's, that's something that means to me. It just means so much to those people on top of just like coming to their town. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm into it. You know, especially now that I live in uh, on the East Coast and I'm still kind of navigating, you know, I haven't played Buffalo and I should keep playing Buffalo. It's like, well, maybe we uh, do private parties in a town like that or do it in somewhere where then, you know, we then those people end up becoming like a little street team for you and you go Mm -hmm. and you kick ass when you go and play in that town. If that's the way it's got to be done for me over there, over here. And I'm all for it. I just, I just a little like, bit more grassroots again, huh? Yeah, I, yeah. I like the grassroots stuff. I can't help it. I don't, I don't want to play the game and be to be big. And I never, you know, you talk about oh, you should have the vision of where you want to be. And my, my vision was never to be uh, headlining a festival or I, I, it just never entered my mind. I just like doing what I like to do and I want the freedom to do it. So maybe that's why, you know, some younger people haven't heard of me because I just am shying away from those moves that people say you have, well, this is what you have to do. And I'm, I just, maybe it is, but I, I just want to do what I, I want to do what I want to do. And Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, do what you if, love and do it well. Yeah. And I think you're doing that. Yeah. It feels good. I'm yeah. More power to you. I want to sell out and make a lot of money. So if there's any radio stations <laughs> out there that yeah. are listen, I will totally, I will, I will sell my soul. So yeah. you, just, you just let me know. You and yeah. your kazoo. Yeah. Buffalo. <laughs> Whatever it takes. 
Whatever it fucking takes, I'm telling you right now. I'm going to go to Buffalo for the first time, and your face going to be on a fucking billboard. There you go. That's right. You're like, oh, shit, he did it. He sold out. He made he it. did it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, listen, we'll get you. We'll get you up to Buffalo, man. If you wanna, if you wanna play a show here, um, you know, like I said, stuffs stuffs opening up. A um, bunch of the bands, uh, not the bands with a D, but the ban on being open and not having people in establishments. That's all up at the end of May. So, oh, cool. um, it's uh, it, it's back to business as usual here, um, as the people are uh, really getting. Uh, vaccinated at a at a pretty extreme rate in western new york so um yeah, big uh there's a there's a like i said there's a big market here for you and realistically you can just hop you can come right up uh 81 into the 90 and man you, oh, hit, yeah. you hit scranton redden syracuse rochester buffalo uh all all right here and like i said yeah, um, all cities that are you know into this style from what i from what i've heard yeah, they all they all do real well. I know Kyle Smith just was in like uh, Reading in the Scranton area, uh, and he he did some shows. But um, yeah, we had him we had him here on the show. So everybody, uh, like I said, everybody hits Buffalo uh, because realistically, well, the other thing that you get here in Buffalo, which you don't have right now, is that uh, my dad always jokes and says that I don't live in New York; I live in Canada uh, because we're. <laughs> So close to to Ontario, it's literally just right across the lake, and uh, so a lot of people come in from you know the Ontario, you know, just outside of Toronto area, and uh, come here and fuck up everything in Buffalo. So I kind of like it this way right now. Fucking Maple Leafs fans. Um, so so no but yeah i think uh i, I think there's definitely uh definitely a spot here for you in buffalo for sure okay Let's well i would just like to throw out that california's COVID numbers are dropping dramatically so yeah it might just be time for you that. to come out here yeah, yeah i think we have some stuff like i we don't have fucked like, up kelly dates. we don't have dates but i know we oh believe me i was just there last week and a half ago so uh, any reason you were up north there, we need you uh, down in southern california uh, yeah i was yeah okay well, I, right. if that's supposed to be the plan i just don't know we have like a bunch of promoters they want to do like four shows in socal and i just but we don't have the dates but the contracts are there and i'm just like awesome. wait, i guess they're waiting so kind of like sugar shack acoustic style what we're doing yeah. i think we're gonna video one of them with me solo and one with a band I think is going on. Awesome. So hopefully, you know, we can get some of these, some of these new fans up with uh, all what I've been up to for the last, uh, how many years? You know? Yeah. Those sugar shack sessions are awesome too. Yeah. yeah right away. A good, good crew of people that when uh, I was great job, yeah. When I was living in Portland, um, before I moved back to the East Coast, I was selling my, I was selling my car. I wasn't going to drive it across the country. So I put an ad up and I sell it and guy comes walking up to who had an appointment to come look at my Honda Odyssey. And he's like, Oh, Hey man, I'm Ron. And I'm like, man, where do I know you from? And I'm looking at him and I don't really know anybody in Portland. I've only lived there for a couple of years. And I'm like, dude, was I just watching you on the Sugar Shack sessions last <laughs> night? Uh, and he's like, yeah, man, my uh, Ron Artist. 
Did you did you did you check that out? And I'm like, oh my this is a fucking small world. And uh, <laughs> so then I'm like, I'm all pumped up. I don't know if you're familiar with the guy, Ron Artis, A R T I S. If you guys are listening, oh yeah, Ron, Ar- yeah, Ron Artis, yeah, yeah he's, a, awesome. he's an incredible uh, guitarist, awesome right. guitar player, awesome musician. So I'm like, sweet, I've got a friend you know, awesome musician, plays music I love. This is going to go great. And then he sent me a message like a month later and he was like, hey, dude, a bunch of shit went wrong with that van. And I was like, all sales are final, uh, motherfucker. And I blocked uh, him. <laughs> so um, that was the end of, that was the oh, end of that. Boy. That's funny. That really happened? Yeah, no, that's real life. I promise you. Now he's, so that, then he, he ended up moving to Hawaii probably because because he's like, well, fuck this car. I got to drive. Couldn't get around. Yeah. I'm just going to live <laughs> right. on an island because this guy fucked me in Portland. Right. right. These, pe- these people in Portland are fucking assholes. They sell you these shit box lemons. <laughs> I'm out of here. Uh, he's not wrong. But for the record, it was, it, was a, it was a great car for me. I'm sorry it didn't work out for you, Ron. Um, but yeah. So Poor Ron. Was, well, they say don't yeah. sell any cars to anyone you know. That's true. I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I didn't, it was, you know, he, he was just a guy. And I'm like, hey, dude, I just watched you on YouTube, like, literally last night. And he, he, he didn't even care about it. Like, he wasn't like, oh, man, yeah, that was awesome. He was like, how many cup holders are in this thing? And I was just like, <laughs> you know what, man? Well, he got kids, man, you know? I guess that's all yeah. That yeah. That's all that matters. Well, that's good. You could at least say he was humble, I suppose. He was a super nice guy. He was a great guy. And uh, I wish that the car didn't break down on him. But yeah, you know. yeah, that sucks. Well, Mike, the next time you make it out to Southern California, you can be sure that I will be there with my boys and nice. anybody else that I can get to come with me. So I definitely look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, likewise. I hope we can, uh, you know, I want, we'll talk about more about how things go, come along with Bradley's house and what else I can yeah. do to help. And thank you. Love to be a part of it. Um, thank you. We appreciate you so part much. Of, part of the process, because well, I want to go there and see you with a big smile on your face, and look what uh, we did. Yes, um, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Great. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for being on the show, for taking the time to talk with us. Give my love to Courtney. She's wonderful, and I'm so excited for you guys in this next adventure in your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how life is gonna. You know, I'm sure there's going to be yeah. songs about it on the next record. Album, yeah. I guess. But, yeah. You say, you say that now, man, you just wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's having one little girl, Jared, you have three boys. It's <laughs> a uh, whole yeah. different Here's animal. Big yeah. like, I'm glad. I think I'm kind of glad I'm having a girl first after at first, you know, you're uh, a guy and you want to, you know, uh, move, pass on the name and all that stuff. But I'm just, I'm too young and I got to be on the road still. So I'm like, I need something that's going to be easier for me and my wife to manage before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys will do great. Jokes on you. <laughs> Boys do damage that can be measured in dollar signs. Girls oh. do damage that you'll find out years later in therapy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that is good. Speaking Anna, as a that. former young girl, um, <laughs> we will eat you up from the inside you out and you'll discover it way later. It's oh, not God. even. It's not even like the boy girl thing, right? So it doesn't matter what you're having, but like there just becomes a point where like I never thought that I would be like changing a diaper and I'm like, oh, look, I got shit under the nail of my thumb. No big deal. This is just how it works. They wash it like, you know, or the kid like goes to throw. I mean, my son literally the one time looked at me and went, daddy, I'm going to throw up and I stuck my shirt out and I caught it. I I caught it in my shirt. And 
And he's just like, and I'm just like, you okay, pal? He's like, yeah, yeah, I feel better now. And I'm just like, oh, okay, this is just, you know, my normal <laughs> yeah. life now. I'll just walk yeah, over and do. <laughs> um, so that kind of stuff's going to happen. But here's the deal. I've told a lot of people this, okay? Especially new parents. And this is important because there was a time in my life that I realized this transition because like, so I had my first son at 25, right? Now, when I was 24, when I was 24 and I sat on the living room floor watching cartoons and eating cereal, everyone called me a loser. When I was 26, everyone said what an amazing dad I was. So it really, it, it you know, it worked out. It worked out nicely. Um, you, you, do, you do get to get away with some cool stuff like that. Um, Mike, before we let you go, man, I ask everybody that comes on and you being such a big Sublime fan, I, it would be crazy not to ask you. Um, if you ran into a younger fan right now and you were just kind of hanging out and chatting with them and you told them about the influence that Bradley and Sublime had on you and they said, wow, Sublime, I'm just really not too familiar with that band. I don't know anything by them, but I'll give you an opportunity to play me one song. And if I like it, I'll, I'll check it out more and, and go buy some of their albums. What Sublime song would you play to hook that fan? Oh my God. I know, right? Yeah. The first one that came to my mind, but the, that's another another one that kind of did it for me was uh, I really love Don't Push. Mm, yes. Yeah. Nice. I would just hand them the 40 ounces of the Freedom record and I'd say, yeah. we'll start here. Can't go wrong. That's that's for me. You know, I, I love that record. So I'd probably say there and go, go to Don't Push first and then go to 40 ounces of the Freedom and then uh, DJs and then, and then <laughs> you know, just, just then listen to it all again. <laughs> I'll then start to go back to waiting in my Ruka and let it play all the way through. Nice. So that's probably would have been, yeah, that's the, the record that changed it all for me. So that that's where I would go. And if they don't like it, they're a damn fool. So <laughs> it's funny because I, I tell everybody there's no wrong answer. Any song that you say is the right answer on this one. So a lot of times people are like, oh, my God, it's a lot of pressure. And I'm like, yeah, no, you can say anything. And we're not going to shit on any Sublime songs on this podcast. Oh, no. So no matter what you say, it's, <laughs> um, you know, unless you pick Santeria or what I got. But um, oh, gosh. <laughs> they're still, hey, just the only say that because you listen to them a billion times. So. Yeah, they're classics. If that was tucked away in 40 Ounces of Freedom, Santeria would still be a a jam you know mm-hmm. it's Very just true. because you well I, I mean every time i listen turn on the radio when i first moved to california the, the songs were playing but i didn't mind because i didn't you don't know what the hell they were playing in philly <laughs> they were playing <laughs> pearl jam lots of boys to men a lot of boys to men yeah yeah well yeah pretty much and yeah a lot, a lot of, of, a lot of or classic rock or they didn't have any of that that shit so i i was just happy for them that was on the radio <laughs> and even though they you know they weren't even a band by the time i knew it yeah. but uh it yeah everybody needs it and everybody tries to do, do the oh yeah secondhand smokes the best record i'm like dude 40 ounces of freedom is the best record dude it's it song. really is it's the best it's so foundational to everything else they did yeah and everything else is great too i just there that shit was just too good and the way that they recorded it, just yeah. lo-fi uh, samples you know, they put in there and just like, like I, I think I read somewhere that they had tried, they, they loved the Beastie Boys. I think they were trying to be, like they were trying to be West Coast Beastie Boys. From some, 
I read like, not that that was their total vision, but they liked what the way that the PC boys recorded and they wanted to take that feeling and put it into their music that I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I might've read that on like the pier or something, but, um, I love the pier. Yeah. They're so great. The pier. Yeah. Mike Patty and uh-huh. their they crew. Always, they've, they've always tried to put my music out there. Uh, so I, even from the, the get go and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I could see why they did what they did. And it's funny now, now I think of it cause it comes full circle that I was an East coast guy trying to do West coast stuff hmm. to that same effect. So pretty cool. Well, Mike, we're, uh, we're definitely looking forward to, uh, to seeing what you have coming out yeah. and everything that you've been working on and, uh, and hopefully getting you back out on the road and maybe a stop through Buffalo. Although oh, yeah. Kelly's all like, Oh yeah, Buffalo, but Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably be in Southern California a couple of times as when, as we do Buffalo too. Yay. I can't, can't, gotta, you know, I can't. No, I hear you. I, I hear you. You gotta, you gotta put a butt every 12 inches. So I, uh, <laughs> I get it. you got to fill the seats, got to fill the seats somewhere, man. Well, mm-hmm. Hey, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'll tell you what, I was a little nervous about, about bringing you on because I know what a huge fan Kelly is yeah. and I'm like I'm like shit we had Hallie we got Frank Turner now we got Pinto she might just tell me to fuck off tell me the podcast right. is done I'm done she, uh, I've done all yeah. I need to do here now your bucket list yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I've, I've I've had I mean we've had a lot of other great guests and we got plenty more to come but I mean this is I know how excited Kelly was for for this one so great thanks for being uh, on Michael we appreciate yeah, you me too and uh, I can't wait till the, the next time we all link up and play some damn music for our absolutely Jeez. absolutely all right well give uh, give courtney a big hug for me and i look forward to seeing you guys soon all right likewise thanks to all the fans for supporting this uh, compilation and reaching out to me about uh, superstar punani it's mm-hmm. funny i i crack up because i uh, just to finish it up i told my parents you know because i know how much i love sublime and, uh-huh. you know i'm on this compilation and and I get to do a song, and they're like, "Great, what song is it?" And I'm like, "Uh oh, <laughs> I got to tell like a seven year old uh... Italian lady that I'm playing uh, a song called Superstar Punani." And How'd that go? You don't even know what the hell I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, like, did you have like, to explain it? No, I just said, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's a song. It's a it's a deep <laughs> cut. But yeah, because it didn't matter either way. No. I just couldn't. I couldn't say that word to my mother. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can you. see. I can see how that would go. And then you know, then she'd tell you that, you know, listen to that's going to give her the agita, right? Yeah, yeah, the agita, you're right. That's yeah. No, trust me. I've, I've been around him. Well, Mike, uh, again, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. We look forward to hearing more from you in the future, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, Kelly, Mike Pinto certainly did not disappoint. What an amazing musician. Great guy. Just a lot of fun having him on the show. Thank you for setting that up. Oh, definitely. It was really great to talk with him. You know, it's interesting when you, see people at shows you don't always get a chance to talk as much as you'd like and so for me this was a real treat getting to just you know chit chat and get to know a little bit more about him as a person and um and as an artist i really enjoyed that because i've you know listened to him for so long and i have so much respect for him so that was that was really cool for me 
Yeah. And uh, again, he, he grew up in, in a neighborhood that I spent a lot of time in. So it was uh, it's exciting to see him uh, rising up here. And I know he's been doing it for a long time, but you really see the momentum picking up for him. And uh, I really hope for the best for, for him and all these musicians coming Absolutely. out of this pandemic. Absolutely. Now, now Kelly, again, we mention this every week. The reason why we're doing Bradley's House podcast is not just to entertain all of our listeners and all of your brother's fans, although it's certainly a lot of fun doing that. But we're doing this for a reason, guys, and that's because the Noel Family Foundation is raising funds to open Bradley's House Recovery Facility. And for those of you who may not know, there's a ton of different ways that you can help out. Of course, you can help by sharing this podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and click five stars. If we didn't earn five stars, we'll get them on the next episode. So just go ahead and click that five star rating for us. Leave a review. Let let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you might want to hear. And if you want to help out with some contributions, Kelly, how can people do that? Well, you know, because we are a nonprofit and because the services that Bradley's House will provide will be free of charge, we do need lots of funding. And so that obviously is a big part of why we're doing this, to get the word out, to let people know that there is a place of hope and healing, and also allow everybody to be able to pitch in a little bit and and all of us working together can get it done. So um, if you're able to make a donation, we sure would appreciate it. And those donations can be made on our website, which is the org. We also have a cash app. We're Noel Family on cash app. We're Noel Foundation on Venmo. Um, you can also send a donation directly through PayPal to info at org. Anything is appreciated. We sure we sure appreciate all the support that we've gotten from everybody, both for the podcast for the house, for the foundation, um, all of that. Everyone's been so great. And we just want to keep that momentum going so we can get the house open. Absolutely. And of course, guys, uh, awesome merch that's available at the NoelFamilyFoundation.org. Uh, hoodies and t-shirts and stickers. H- have Have you guys named the Bradley's house hat the Kyle Smith yet? Yeah, you'd think we would name it after Kyle after all this time. Every time I see him, he's wearing a Bradley's house hat. And I just appreciate that so much about him and so many other artists that are helping to get the word out. It really has been fantastic, and we appreciate their support. Absolutely, guys. So you guys can visit, again, that's the org. You can pick up a hat, a T-shirt, a hoodie. Uh, all of that merch goes directly towards getting Bradley's house up and built. And like you've heard me say before, if you're a Sublime fan, this is truly an opportunity where a fan can step in and actually be a part of this story and help get this house open with the Noel Family Foundation. So help out however you can Uh, make sure you share the podcast with a friend and uh, Kelly every single week we like to leave our listeners with a uh, a little bit of music now you guys can find all of the songs from the house that Bradley built at the Bradley's house YouTube page Um, today was a pretty easy pick on what we're gonna play right it absolutely was one of the great covers off of the house that Bradley built deluxe edition there are 55 tracks on there and they are all fantastic everyone did such a great job all the artists donated their performances their time their talent and so we're going to close today's show with mike pinto's cover of superstar punani check it out enjoy the song you can pick up all of these songs at law-records.com pick up your copy of the house that bradley built and uh, get some awesome music and help support an incredible cause. Another amazing episode. Had a lot of fun. Hope you guys did too. You don't have to go home, but 
it's time to leave Bradley's house. I'm Jared Orr, she's Kelly Noel, and we'll see you guys next week. So tell me if you really want to be a superstar Fiesta on a mic and it will surely take you far You make that drop on the 24 tracks Mix it all down and then we put it on wax Beginning is hype when you're playing in bars A bottomless pit where you make loose and fall Take away your privacy and take your guitar Then you take your woman and impound your car Beginning on wisdom I won't take you to Sell your soul to be a superstar Baby, if you got it, forget about that Your money don't concern you, not the natural fact Shut up your mouth before you get knocked down We're gonna listen to your voice upon a speaker box First you get a manager, but what does he do? I'll be the first to tell you, baby, that I don't have a clue We're gonna make a phony image for the MTV Hear it on the radio, say, damn, that's me Whenever I get over on a three-piece hog Jesus and a mama gonna break your arm Put your ass in the jar Hard to be a superstar Oh, realize sometimes I feel a desire When you're in a position And you just can't hide Rock, rock, rock you gotta take that trip And then you never thought you'd see the day you'd act like this Your rep is getting bigger than a B-52 And then it goes around the world before it gets back to you I, all of it started, can you believe Before your eyes is shit, just come back to me I, oh my god, I take a rest on the side Selassie, Selassie, Selassie I, oh my god, if I could let my own If you love Punani, Punani, won't you love?